Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today, we're discussing pushing the line. So I'll ask about base jumping, high lining, and other death wish activities. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. My first guest, scientifically speaking, is the greatest live performer of all time. He's an improviser, a musician, a genius, and the kindest of souls. It's our old pal, Reggie Watts. Hey. Hey, Reggie. Thank you. You wrote Glarf in the uh, in Riverside, so would you prefer that I refer to you as Glarf for the remainder of the show? I think it probably can. It sounds too close to Garrett, so probably just go with Reggie. <laughs> okay, great. I get yeah, mistaken our... for Glarf often. So, yeah, <laughs> there this way. You look like a Glarf. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'll, I'll just introduce Garrett now uh, instead of uh, doing our, our normal small talk, Reggie, where we you oh. know, discuss the universe and yes. our belief systems. Thank you. Um, so our second guest uh, is a theoretical physicist who is known for a paper entitled An Exceptionally Simple Theory of Everything. Welcome to the show, Dr. Garrett Lisi. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, fun to be here. Yeah, super fun to have you. Uh, first off, I got to ask Dr. Lisi, since you're a surfer, paraglider, snowboarder, etc., you must have a cool nickname, right? I mean, your <laughs> friends must call you something besides your name. I just assume that. Um, no, actually, I just usually always go by Garrett, which is oddly my middle name. My parents said that to me. Oh, my Lord. But, but it comes in really handy whenever a telemarketer calls and asks for Anthony. I just hang up. That makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I mean, that's a little bit disappointing for me. I was hoping that we could get like a, you know, G. Lee or like some sort of, I don't know, Dr. No, Dare I mean, or I, I don't know what I'm a would... surfer and paraglider and, and do a lot of fun stuff, but I'm also a physicist. Uh, so, so the coolness is balanced out by conservative uh, staunchiness. Physiglider. I mean, that's already pretty cool. Um, okay, so uh, Reggie, starting with you, man, have you ever done as I would label them like death wish-ish activities? Mm, death wish-ish. I, uh, death wish-ish activities. You know, I'd say the closest, I, you know, it's like skateboarding and, you know, bikes. As a kid, like I rode bikes. I tried skateboarding, but I just realized I was so terrified of like, like anything that separates me, like puts a medium between me and the ground. I'm not really feeling it. Bikes I can do for some reason. That's that's fine. You can kind of like, you know, groove. But um, yeah, none of the other traditional stuff I'm really into. I'd say probably the only thing I can think of is driving because I, I like to drive very fast and I've gotten in a lot of races. Are driving that bad that it's extreme? Yeah. Well, I'm racing yeah. people. So <laughs> so I guess you could call it bad driving. You know, uh, you're driving very fast down public roads. But uh, but yes, no, I, I, I do race a lot. And I, and uh, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of but to me, it doesn't yeah. doesn't quite count because it's like, you know, when you're using just your body in conjunction. No, that with, totally that gets counts. your adrenaline up. That yeah, 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 it, yeah, it does, it does. But I always just think of people who like paraglide or like wingsuit as like way, it's like way more advanced. Well, paragliding, you're just floating in a comfy seat in the sky. It's great. It's, That's it true. But wasn't there like wasn't there an accident recently or some some person? Like, yeah, if two of the comfy seats collide, then things tend not to go well. E. But, 
Right. Yeah. So wait, wait, wait. Two of the seats collided. Uh, that can happen. Yeah. So mm. you're there's a lot of sky when you're flying around, but <laughs> sometimes for a popular spot, it can get crowded and people can uh, run into each other. Uh, and when oh paragliders God. run into each other, it's not pretty. Ooh. Yeah. So there That's you go. Like, there's that. It's danger. like two octopuses angrily trying to mate with you know, while falling out of the sky. It's it's not good. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound good. Uh, well, I'm. I'm glad you're both here because you're both way more uh, into these activities than I am. I'm, I'm more of a scaredy cat. I think you kind of mischaracterize this as death wish sports when really I think of it more as life wish sports. I mean, it's like you just want more intensity mm. in your life. You want to go out there and do that's really true. fun stuff and amp things up. And that's uh, sure. I mean, that's where it is that's for the, me. I, that's why I, I like doing a lot of these fun things. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well... Well, you know, it's funny too because, like, I'll I'll do things like like for me the the death wish or life wish uh, element is like you know most of my performer friends are like they're pre they're preparing, they've rehearsed, they've written down all the things they want to do, and for me I'm like I'm going to take a thirty gram uh, thirty milligram edible and I'm going to go <laughs> on stage with no plan at all and uh, perform <laughs> for two hours. So <laughs> like that that's kind of like I guess in the realm, but for me I'm like. It's like those extreme sports or those like that extreme, you know, or even like driving really fast in a car. It's everything goes, you know, it's like wow. it's this 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 focused like beam of like, I don't know. It's almost like a Zen kind of yeah, feeling. It forces you to be present. Yes, very much. Otherwise you crash. Yeah, otherwise yeah. you do crash. Yes, man, that's uh, incredible uh, to know that you do that much edibles and then perform and then you're able to still have callbacks and sing perfectly on key and i mean that's way beyond uh yeah genetically you're just enhanced i guess but I but we'll we'll run some tests you know we'll, we'll get you. back to you thank you i'm sure garrett uh, knows that's... quite a few people <laughs> <laughs> yeah please well, I mean, get some one of the reasons him. i actually have never been on a slack line is i've never uh, done anything with weed oh <laughs> those are wow. connected i guess yeah uh, yeah. Get ready to start doing some physics. But as, as, a, th as a theorist, I do know quite a bit about it, so I can still. There, there we go. Okay, interesting. There we and go. and Glarf, have you slacklined? For some reason, I feel like that must have happened at some point in a park. Slacklined? Oh yeah, right. Yes. Um, no, that's another one of those things where you know okay. my proprioception. I'm 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 I will say that I'm I'm pretty good at dancing. Um, and, yes. uh, and like doing like weird, you know, things with my body again, connected to the ground, you know, um, but a slack line, you know, I had friends that used to go to parks and, and do that. And I just, I'm sure if I really like worked at it, I would figure out, you know, a, a, a moment where I'm like, Oh, I get it. But I would probably even still like, once I got it, I would be like, okay, that was good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think it takes I, a while to, to train your brain to, to balance that way because it's not a it doesn't seem like a normal kind of balance. No. Because you're not mm -hmm. you're not pushing against a stationary object. You're pushing a a loose line into a position where it'll push you up. Oh interesting. Yeah. So you're working with the two yeah. connected points versus the yeah. amount of slack that yeah. it's so it's really it's really trying to move the line under you in such a way to stay up. I see, I see. Well, yeah. I have several balance questions, both physically and mentally, for both <laughs> of you. But before we get into it, I had to ask you about your your paper, an exceptionally simple theory of everything. I've been called an exceptionally simple man, uh, so this theory sounds perfect for schmucks like me. Uh, can you tell me what it's all about, Garrett? 
Um, well, it's uh, the reason it's simple is because it's based on the largest simple Lie group. And so the title of the paper was actually a pun, a mathematical pun, because it's Ooh. also uh, it's also one of the few exceptional Lie groups. And it's the largest simple exceptional Lie group. And Man. basically it came around from a discovery I made in 2007 or so, which was that the structure of particle physics and gravity, uh, that's a known part of theoretical physics, that entire structure fits inside this one beautiful mathematical object called the E8 Lie group, which is the largest simple exceptional Lie group. So I, I like a good pun, so I couldn't resist the the funny title, and uh, and it's been it's been a lot of fun as a theoretical area to pursue and to keep developing. So uh, so that and it, it got me kind of famous because not only was it a funny title, but the the pattern of the group and the way interactions are described is actually pretty. So it's sort of a revolution oh. to find, sort of a revelation to find that the underlying structure of the universe is pretty in a very geometric way. Uh, what about you, Garrett? Have you or any of your rascal friends participated in the kind of tomfoolery we see in pushing the line? Um, I tend to draw the line at base jumping. So I like paragliding, um, kite surfing. Um, I even rode motorcycles for a while, although that's a little bit risky. But I mean, you sort of have to judge how much risk you're willing to take on because, you know, you're going to die or get hurt. I mean, and, and I've been hurt paragliding. But, uh, you know, I had a gust of wind come at an inopportune moment at a launch and took me into some rocks. And so, you know, you can get hurt. But the risks in paragliding are much lower than the risks in base jumping, um, mostly because uh, things happen much, much faster base jumping you only have a few seconds to do anything and after that your fate is sealed whereas if something goes wrong paragliding you have a long time to think about how wrong things are and how much trouble you're in and try to fix them <laughs> slow, slow motion disaster yeah so Wing things, like, things like you know uh contour wingsuit flying base jumping uh splitting lanes on a motorcycle um I, these things are beyond my risk tolerance at this point copy mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, but, as, as yeah. a, a, getting to a certain age as well, like for me, I'm just like, you know what? It's, it's weird. The weirdest thing is, you know, as, as when we're young, we think we're immortal. I mean, I was driving a motorcycle around L.A. at 18. Like I was absolutely like I was immortal, like just wasn't worried. My reaction time was, you know, just immediate and everything was perfect. And I was probably going to die. <laughs> but as I get older, you get more cautious, which is weird because you have less to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that is that is kind of funny. That is kind of funny. But it's like all the experience, you know, and all the stories right. and all the data that you've collected. Like that's you what's do kind have, of against you. You do have more memories and more of your established person and uh, connections to lose, I suppose, by dying. But you have less mm-hmm. potential ahead of you. Yeah, so true. I mean, I've definitely, uh, you know, I'm over here in my early 30s and I feel like I'm 80 because I don't want to do any... You know, I, I, I was at a theme park the other day and some friends wanted to go on a roller coaster. And I was like, why? Mm-mm. Why would I do that? Mm-mm. That not, makes not doing that. no sense to me. Not doing it. No, of course not. Um, well, you so know, the, I, the, the, the greatest risk is that you die having not done anything fun at all. I have plenty of fun, <laughs> oh. Garrett. I have fun all the time. Yeah. I look at a hummingbird. I'm having a great time. See, it's all it's all relative. But I'm with you on on on, on roller coasters and stuff like that. I I can't do it. It's like to me, it's extra stuff that I don't I don't need right. to know what that is. Like I'm I'm like ah, I don't know. That's fine same yeah i guess i, yeah. I guess i'm the opposite i'm just like bring that on yeah I, yeah I was a kid that used to run around and around in circles to the being the roller coaster line again after wow <laughs> you're, you're awesome 
Yeah, just clearly a badass, um, which is why you're here talking to us. And uh, and I have questions about base jumping in general because they did discuss it a little bit on the show. So can you just describe what that is, what the gear involved is, and 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 maybe a little bit about the the mental state, like because I'm sure it's a mental uh, sport as well. It, you have to work yourself up to jumping off of something is the main thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was nervous. I got to say, watching the show just with them preparing, they would like scooch yeah. a little bit closer to the edge, a little bit closer yeah. to the edge. And I was getting anxiety just watching that. Like, man, I don't know if I could do that. Like even after the trek and you bring all your gear, but then you're right. Yeah. That seems like maybe the hardest part is, well, is you, taking the leap. You put a lot of trust in your gear. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, you, you as a base jumper, I mean, as a normally jumping out of an airplane, you're at much higher altitude. You have, you know, maybe a minute to work things out. Um, you pull your chute like above 2000 square feet, two, above 2000 feet in elevation. And, and you have time to work things out. And if your main chute doesn't open, you show you throw your reserve. And the, the chances of a parachute failing is on average like one in a thousand. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. The difference in base jumping is you're jumping from so low, right? You're typically jumping from like 500 feet, sometimes less. And it's you're so low, you only have five seconds till you hit the ground. Okay? Oh, my so, God. So <laughs> if your main chute doesn't open, you're dead. Yes. So that's that's the main difference in base jumping is you only have one shoot, you don't have a reserve because you're too low. So, it would be useless. Wait. Sorry, again, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm uh, an amateur over here. I it's it's uh, I'm a rookie. So you're talking about jumping where are you jumping like a cliff or a bridge so or base is um buildings, um antennas, uh spans, which is bridges or earth jumping off the ground. That's what base stands for as an acronym. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I did not wow. know that either. I just thought it was yeah. like base. You know, it's like it's super basic. You know, because it's like no. you know, it's like simple <laughs> jumping, super basic, no, whatever. There's so, nothing more so, basic. So basically, than this. you're you're jumping off of your, <laughs> you know, you're jumping at fairly low altitude, uh, not from an aircraft. Okay. Yep. And and, and so you're immediately pulling your chute. I mean, well, how much time? Immediately do you have to... or after a second or two at the most. Depending on the height, right? Like if you're jumping off a yeah. building versus, a... and also you have to use a special chute that opens faster. Oh, wow. and 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 you know, and which is a little more of a a jerk when it, when you do it. Gotcha. And That's and sad. there's and there's there's little or no margin for error. So you yes. you you jump. You have about you know maybe a second to do something goofy like a backflip or whatever, and then you throw your chute and you hope it opens or you're dead. And you have wow. a, you know it. You know, at 400 feet, you have five seconds until you're going to hit the ground. Sick. How many times have you done this? Uh, I have not base jumped. I, I draw the line. Oh. I, I, I've, I've done parachuting, so I've, I've done skydiving out of a plane. But I haven't base jumped just because I don't like not having a – it's it's too too quick, too short a time. Same, same thing with contour flying. The, the reaction time required is too short. And Come on, man. Just do it. The chance of dying is too great. And – and I'm fine. In a, I'm fine with a one in ten thousand chance of dying for something fun. I'm not okay with a one in a thousand chance of dying for something fun. I love how mathematical it is. You really figured out like the odds you're cool with. Well, but you know the the multiverse perspective on this is there. There are a bunch of dead yous. Whenever you do anything yep. uh, in the multiverse, as yeah. uh, as Rick would tell you, there's going to be a bunch of dead yous and a bunch of live yous. And the and quantum, quantum mechanics tells you the probability of 
you know, life or death at this point, which that's, is quite useful. But so, it tells you that there are a bunch of dead yous in one quantum multiverse and a bunch of live yous in, in the other one. It's so funny because I think about, I say that to my friends all the time, like, you know, like, like someone almost walks into traffic, you know, like when they're not looking or whatever and they, and they stop or like, I go, Hey man, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, what if like you, you've died multiple times? I mean, cause theoretically you, you have, so you've died multiple times, but then you just slip into the reality where you didn't and you just continue on as though, you know. You, that didn't happen and because uh, it didn't but it did so <laughs> yeah, philosophically it's a bit of a conundrum so it's like but the way we handle this is we we handle this with chance of dying right so like right. maybe you have a one percent mm. chance of dying that means but quantum mechanically uh you do die it's just in mm. most multiverses you don't so there might be 99 multiverses in which you're alive and one in which you're dead i love it but you don't wow. you don't experience being dead Unless the Christians are right, which they're not. But I love that's it. That's a win. Oh, God, I love it. That's love that's it. what makes life fun to live, <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these people must be thinking about it all the time because yeah. I think a few of them even mentioned that they had friends that did pass away doing yeah. these sports. And, yeah. and I was shocked to hear them almost nonchalantly mentioning it and then go ahead and keep doing it because, uh, yeah, they just love it, I guess. Well, it's, it makes you feel more alive. I mean, when you're, when you're doing these sorts of extreme activities and you are at risk and you have to concentrate so that you don't die, um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And I guess you have to be a little bit more accepting of risk and have that not be such a turnoff. And, but it is just amazing to have that connection with the world and to be in the zone and have that sense of flow where you're concentrating what you're doing and it's, I don't know. It's just, it makes, it makes you feel alive. I don't know any other way to describe it than that. It's better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love the attitude. I love the, you know, the, the mindset of being fine with death. Something my, my father always. I'm not. Pressed on me. Oh, you're not. You <laughs> I, don't I hate die. the idea of death. No, it's, it's, I get extreme FOMO. <laughs> I have extreme fear of missing out on uh, what's going to happen in the future by not yeah. being there. I wanted to, yeah, you mentioned balance earlier in the show. I wanted to follow up on it and just ask, well, I guess you were saying this is a different kind of balance than just the normal everyday, what we need balance probably. But how important is it to practice that? Like I know they sell balance boards, which I was thinking about getting just for like a fun kind of fitness uh, exercise thing to do at home. Yeah, a balance board is a, a great example where once again, you have to swing the board underneath you in order to maintain your balance. And that's that actually theoretically anyway, is very similar to a slack line where you have to swing the line under you in order mm-hmm. to stay balanced on it. And it, uh, and balance I think is underappreciated as a sense. I mean, technically we have six senses and balance is one of them, but people, people talk about the fifth sense. I mean, balance is sort of you got the short end of the stick that way and is, is excluded from the count. I mean, it's, it's so cool because instability is like, you know, it does so much. It really synchronizes and unifies so many like neural inputs and determinations and instinctual yeah. things and triggers. And then also the conscious awareness of while it's happening to like, Whoa, what am I doing? You know, it's, it's so cool. And, and, and highlining is, I mean, it's ultimately a unstable equilibrium, right? Where, you know, you'll start to fall one way. And if you don't do anything, you're just going to fall. All right. So you, you, you're standing there and you have to get that line under you. So if you, if you start to fall, you have to swing the line under you. So it'll get you back the other way and then equal it out. And it's maintaining this unstable equilibrium is what it's all about. 
Yeah, you're you're reminding me of that one gentleman who basically got stuck on the line for like 90 minutes and had to kind of rev himself up mentally, I think, to finish his line. It was like a super long line. I can't remember how long. Um, so yeah, have you experienced something like that where, you know, you're either like stuck out somewhere or, you know, had a friend that you were trying to, uh, motivate, um, cause it seems like that would be even more difficult or equally as difficult as the physical toll. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the craziest situation I was in that way is when I was a cocky 18 year old kid and I got to Hawaii for the first time. And I paddled out at Sunset Beach with my 6'4 surfboard when everybody else is on eight foot guns and the waves are 20 feet. And I was just like way out of my element. And it's like, oh my God, I'm going to die out here. How do I get in? I don't even know how to get in. <laughs> Damn. But pretty much you just eventually you just have to wait for the right wave and paddle like hell and try to catch it and ride it. <laughs> I mean, I will say these guys seem like terrible planners. There was like, <laughs> you know, I, I only watched this episode, episode four of Pushing the Line, but uh, which, you know, Reggie told me in confidence uh, that you can visit discoveryplus.com slash science to start your seven day free trial of yeah, Discovery Plus. I, I it's the only place that. to watch Pushing the Line. Yeah, I hope I'm not breaking your trust. No, too no, much. that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> that people should check it out. But um, they kept bringing like the wrong so at one point they brought the wrong size nuts they said so they couldn't like secure the line properly because of that well you 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 gotta know i mean these nuts are are, you know climbing bolts the climbing bolts are on top of this 400 foot rock solid rock tower that's on you know that's a, a several mile hike in to get to and you know someone in their party said, yeah, I think it's a five inch, five eighths inch bolt up there, which are probably pretty standard for rock climbing bolts. Okay. Um, but it turned out they were half inch bolts once they, once they got up there and they didn't, but you know, how are you going to tell you, you're not going to send a drone up there with the calipers to measure it first. Right. Oh, so how are you going to plan? I, would, this? I mean, you, you could, I mean, that's a glory. Maybe but... you could research it. So maybe they sort of researched it and found out what bolts were up there before they went, but mm-hmm. someone told them it was five eighths and they just went with someone told them. Okay. All right. So that one, excusable. That one, the scientist has said, has weighed in and judged. It checks out. What about the walkie-talkie situation? These guys are yeah, up there. They oops. forget a walkie-talkie. That's dumb, that dumb just stuff. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, that's Captain uh, Dumb. No, though. I did that. I mean, so you got a paraglide. You're, you're wearing a radio often if you want to talk to people or unless you want to quiet at a time, you, you don't. But I've forgotten radios before for flying. And he's like, all right, we're going to go fly without radios. Fine. Well, do you do you either of you have just organizational tips, things that people can do to to be more productive? I mean, Glarf, I've never seen you at a show looking frazzled or or you know missing gear. I mean, is there is there a way that you like to stay organized? Stay organized. Well, I just keep everything very simple. You know, like I, you know, the gear I use, I really whittle it down to essentials you know it's just three components so i can look really quickly like oh i've got those three things great you know and 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 then beyond that i know that if for some reason i can't use my gear i still have me so um right so like i i'm never you know uh you know for me it's like if if my gear wasn't working i'd be like okay well here's a new challenge so uh, i just keep things as simple as possible 
all the gear that I use is, is easily replaceable. If I'm on tour, I can just go to a music store and buy it. It's very common, commonly used pedals. So mm-hmm. um, simplicity the, is key. Simplicity. Like. Yeah. Essentialism. And then also just uh, being prepared for total failure, which you can't really do. And, you know, pair paragliding and things like that. But, but you, <laughs> but, but, but um, for performance, yes, you can. Okay. Uh, Garrett, you have to usually just either cope with the idea that things aren't always going to be perfect. You aren't always going to be perfectly organized. Things aren't always going to go exactly as planned or you smoke less weed. (laughs) It's true. Less weed and less PCP. That's what they usually suggest. Yeah. Yeah. If you can do a little bit less angel dust in the morning, (laughs) you might have an easier time throughout the day. You'll see really good gains. But I mean, also you, you have to, I mean, for setting up a slack line, I mean, these, uh, the amount of gear required is actually pretty intense. I mean, you've yeah. got pulleys and blocks and, and, and safety line and, and, and hooking up to several different anchors and you're not exactly sure where those anchors are going to be. So mm-hmm. you've got a mountain of gear involved and, and somebody has got to be on it and sort this thing out. Right. And, and have their head straight when they're organizing and planning everything. And sometimes, you know, you're dealing with nature. Sometimes, you know, this tree isn't going to be quite close enough or that rock isn't going to be too far away than you thought it was. And it's just, you, you got to improvise. So uh, even, even if you're not high, it's going to be hard to figure some of this stuff out. And sometimes it's not going to come together perfectly. Highlining is one of these things where it actually feels much scarier and more dangerous than it is. Because if you have a safety line and a harness, you're actually pretty darn safe as long as your rigging is good. And it, it, usually it's pretty solid. And the, and, the, and the equipment is pretty solid these days with, with high-strength cables and, and ribbons. And so if you fall off the line, you're just going to be caught by your safety loop and, and cable down to your harness. And so it's, it feels terrifying to be trying to balance on, on something at high altitude. But you have equipment that's very, very likely uh, not going to fail, uh, mm-hmm. even if you just fall 100 times. And so it's, it's one of these things that feels much more dangerous than it is. I wanted to also mention the heart rate. One of the guys says that his heart rate doesn't change when he's walking the line. And and Reggie, you were kind of saying earlier that when you perform on 30 milligrams of uh, edible THC, that you enter into like a, a zone. Mm-hmm. And do, do you, is that like a similar thing for, do you think like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've like deleted the world around me and now I'm just in this and you're you're you feel settled i guess i've always i've always worked under these like high pressure situations like uh, you know i was at burning man and i was uh i think i was i think i was high on uh liquid lsd or something like that that my friend had and we forgot they forgot an important cable that they were, we were going to perform at this place called entheon which was like all the way across the playa i've only been once so i'm talking like i'm an expert but i'm, I'm burning man it's like i'm very uh limited in that but they asked me to go and get this cable. So I had to drive a converted van that was made to look like a pirate ship um, across the <laughs> playa yeah. that uh, there was no steering wheel. There was just a huge vice grip connected oh. <laughs> to the steering shaft. Oh, and it fantastic. Was, yeah. And it was three on the tree. So, uh, so I was three on the tree <laughs> driving with this during a whiteout at one point and I had to make my way across the playa, find where we were located, find the cable, get back in the vehicle and, and drive back whilst being high on a psych- psychedelic. So there, there is, and, and even without drugs and so forth, like someone will be like the thing, the, the PA doesn't work or the lighting rig isn't working, you know? 
I don't really, I always immediately go into action where I'm like, oh, this is a cool opportunity. Like, can, wow. can I achieve what I need to achieve? Can, can, I, can I keep my wits about me and focus through this storm that's happening all around me? And so I, I've always been that way since I was a little kid. I, like, I really thrive in chaotic situations. If something's going down, I'm like, great, well, we'll need this and we'll need that and we'll need that. And it doesn't even matter, like, if I'm, if I'm uh, completely sober or whether I'm, you know, on THC or whatever. It, it's just a, a thing that I have always done. Um, so you you're, know, you're it, an improvisational master in many regards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. perhaps so, perhaps so, maybe. Yeah, I mean, and out of, almost out of necessity, just like just my, it's just the way that I kind of am. But I, uh, and in that state, I don't. I mean, in that state, I find I'm actually having fun. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. I'm, I'm having fun um, n- knowing that there is a way, believing that there is a way to solve this issue or to complete this goal or whatever. So that's kind of like my, that's my natural state in things. So it's like being in the eye of a hurricane. I mean, it's such a, an incredibly unique and useful skill, you know, to be in a high pressure situation and not only be able to remain calm and look for solutions, but to actually enjoy it. I mean, it really legitimately seems like this is your fun zone. You want things to kind of go wrong a little bit <laughs> and even take that risk further and intoxicate yourself with some sort of yeah. uh, drug just to make it more like, can I still steer the ship? Like how yeah. much can this, it's like one of those like old movies where the captain's kind of crazy and there's like a huge storm and he's yelling at God, you know, like, <laughs> give me all you got, let's go. Like that's a, I don't know what you call that, but that's like unbelievably useful, unbelievably like, one of the most sought after skills, I would say, because we all have these situations. I mean, high pressure, low pressure, every day of life can be mm-hmm. stressful. But if you have this attitude or, or even are aware of it, I think that's, that, I mean, that's a game changer. I wonder how much of it has to do with familiarity of the environment. Like maybe, maybe mm. this guy is just so used to being on a, a, a line that it doesn't mm, invade right. his fear anymore. You know, he's right. comfortable with it. I mean, I think, I, I think, Gary, you're right. I think it is like muscle memory now for Rich, just because you've been for so many years placed into these high octane, supposedly stressful situations, but keeping your wits about you that now, even when you're in different situations, you implement the same mental state, you know, like you're talking about with that crazy pirate ship car, mm-hmm. you know, even though things are going off the handle, it's kind of the same stimulus, you know, you're still like, oh, things are out of balance. This is on me. This is where I shine. I got this. Yeah. You have to project where, what, what you want to achieve. You know, it's like, you, it's like I'm constantly projecting the success of, of the goal whilst not being, whilst not holding on to that too tightly, you know, because, uh, you know, when you visualize something and, and you hold on to that, you want it to be so literal or it's literalized and, and, and very kind of intense way, you kind of end up missing the looseness to be able to mm-hmm. adapt to oncoming obstacles. And so for me, it's like I project some form of success, <laughs> but, the, but the range, what, what success means is a very large scale. You know, I, I want it to be like the highest, but even if it's just 10%, I'm still satisfied with that. Well, metaphorically, this is also maintaining unstable equilibrium. 
And really, oh, this yeah. is what our brains are for. And this is what our brains are really good at is, uh, you know, a neural network learning how to adjust things to keep something that's unstable and could collapse in any of a thousand different ways. Keep it going and, and mm. keep it working. Yeah. And that's just that, you know, metaphorically, that's what's going on in a performance. You have so many things that go wrong and you're walking that line to keep everything good and, and doing a thousand things to keep it there. It's using our brains. Uh, basically way they were involved for to maintain an unstable equilibrium with all sorts of potential for catastrophe in all directions. So sick. Do you think a part of that is also being, I guess, hyper present for lack of a better term? Because if you're thinking to me, yeah, I felt like if you're thinking about yourself, if you're thinking, you know, the ego takes over, or if you're thinking about the past, or if you're thinking about what's going to happen after this, then you're kind of doomed, right? Yeah, you have to be very much in the moment concentrating on what you're doing. You can't be thinking about, you know, your taxes or your, or your ex-girlfriend or any of the stuff that's going to make you fall. Reg, do you feel that way on, on stage as well, that you're, you completely, like you're not thinking about what's happened previous to this? You're not thinking about after the performance? You're not thinking about Reggie as a person? Mm, it, it kind of fluctuates between different states. Like sometimes uh, it's almost like I'll run an automated program you know, like, uh, like I'm, I mean, that's just like a metaphor, but like, like, uh, you know, if I'm doing a song and the loop is going and I'm setting up the next thing, there are these kind of, there's like a buffer memory, you know, I kind of describe it as like, you have like a, you know, like old CD players, a 20 second buffer memory or like a 60 second buffer memory. And so, uh, I'm kind of slightly in the future kind of feeling where things want to go next. And sometimes during a performance, I'm, I am thinking about like, oh, you know, after this, I think I'm just probably just going to split like, you know, right away and not really do, you know, whatever. I do have those moments where I'm able to, you know, think about other things. Um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of happens naturally. It's not like I just kind of allow, you know, however I'm thinking or feeling to happen um, without becoming distracted or, you know, um, because I feel responsible, you know, to the audience and, and giving them a really good performance. So it's never out of like boredom or anything like that, but it does, it does happen at times. It's, it's, it just shifts. Like it's just, it's focal points, you know, like a camera finding focus. It's like there's different planes of focus that occur during a performance. Wow. Well, both of you, uh, shock me, surprise me. I'm very impressed. I, I have learned a lot. I feel like I can put into my real life, um, F- Gary, you are making me want to take more, uh, how can I, uh, life, uh, life wish activities. <laughs> I do want to take part in now, but yeah, I thank you both for, for watching this program, for joining me on the show. Uh, Reggie, is there something you want to tell people about, uh, where people can find you, et cetera? Uh, yeah, you can find me in my next project. I'm going to be looking for energy loss at the CERN. Um, super collider, um, and just seeing if there's any evidence of higher dimensional reality. No, I, I I'm going to be, uh, I have my, I have my app, uh, WhatsApp, which I don't do a lot with right now, but it's something you should download because there'll be really cool things in the near future happening with it. And that's WhatsApp spelled W A T T S A P P. It's both on iOS and Android. And, um, other than that, uh, I just want people to have a good time, stay pragmatic, and uh, don't buy into the binary extremes. Excellent. Well said. Uh, I have WhatsApp on my phone. It's great. Always exciting when, when something's going on there. So everybody go download that. Uh, Dr. Lisi, no cool nickname. Uh, something you want to tell people about? Um, I will be opening at the Comedy Store on Friday uh, here in Salt Lake City. So 
podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, even I don't okay. think I'm that funny. Um, uh, no, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, pretty much of a social media whore. So if you want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook or, or even the slums of Twitter, that uh, that's, <laughs> that's fun. But yeah, mostly uh, have as much fun uh, as you can in your life and manage the risk. Love it. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Much appreciated. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Stay science. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Ethan. Rock on, brother. <laughs> right on, brother. <laughs> Get exclusive science shows, nature documentaries, and more real-life entertainment on Discovery+. Plus. Go to discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience to start your seven-day free trial. That's discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience. Hosted and produced by Ethan Eidenberg. Executive producer, Brett Kushner. Supervising producer, Emily Feld. Producer, Darby Rose. Editor, Michael Feld. Talent Booker, Samantha Barella. Post coordinator, Jason McCann. And research PA, Ali Rudenstein. <laughs>